0: Hey, guys, it's Dr. Vic, and you're listening to another episode here on The Mindful Experiment. Excited, guys, on as we are sharing another wonderful interview that we had to help elevate mind, to go a little deeper, to raise consciousness levels, to create some more awareness in a certain specific area of our life. And this week, I had the awesome honor and pleasure of interviewing Andy Tushu shan And what a great interview this was. This was all about movement, conditioning. He's a conditioning specialist and so forth. And it's all about the importance of movement, functional training, recovery strategies, and how you can really elevate your peak performance when it comes to your physical health and so much more. Before I dive into the interview, I want to tell you a little bit about Andy. He's a certified strength and conditioning specialist, educator, and presenter from Hong Kong. With a master's degree in exercise science, Andy has a genuine passion for making a positive impact in the fitness industry through learning and sharing different unique methodologies. He currently teaches education courses on behalf of companies such as the National Academy of Sports Medicine, TRX trigger point performance, and power plate. He has made guest experiences on the Hong Kong television shows, as well as presenting at different public fitness events. Drawing on his master's degree in exercise science and influenced by his 10 year stay in the United States, Andy has a unique outlook on health and athletic performance. He'll find hits of the traditional Chinese medicine integrated into his training philosophy, where harmony between all aspects of life is a prerequisite to optimal health and a human performance. You can read more on this concept in Andy's co-authored book, Dynamic Balance. All right, y'all. Without any further ado, here is Andy Chan. Andy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. So excited. Well, I'm excited to have you on. I think we're going to have a, a really nice dialogue here, some good combo and some good things. So um, before we do get into all that, can you mind just sharing with the listeners a little bit of your background, your story, of how you got into what you're doing today?
1: Oh, I'd love to. Hello, everyone. My name is Annie Chan. Hello from Hong Kong. I'm a strength and conditioning coach, uh, educator, coach, now author, uh, based in Hong Kong. And you know, these days, if anyone goes on the internet and if you just search for anything in relation to health and fitness, you're going to find such overwhelming overwhelming amount of information out there that a lot of my clients certainly will have trouble digesting. So I always tell people my job is to help people deconstruct and demystify all the fitness information out there so that no one has to waste time doing things that perhaps actually harm their athletic performance and harm their health. Um, so you know nowadays what i I do i I do personal training, I do group coaching, I do webinars, I do talks now, and all that just to share kind of my insights so that no one has to waste time doing things that don't actually hurt them, but actually implement practices
0: that helps their health and human performance. Oh,
1: your audio cut off for some
0: Oh sorry, is it something oh. that you uh you wanted to where like something inspired you to want to get into, like drove you to that, that, the level to that perspective of going into the field that you're in.
1: Yeah. So I, I actually, I have a master's in exercise science, right. But my undergraduate degree was actually in accounting and then you know, anyone can tell you it's a big switch from boring accounting job. No offense to any accountants out there, but it's a break, big change from accounting to exercise science. And and that's actually because of a, of an experience that I had, in 2014, so when I graduated with my accounting degree from Indiana University in, in the in the states, I came back to Hong Kong, and I was given a chance to go for a trial with a local professional soccer team. And growing up, you know, I love playing soccer, and and being a professional athlete would be, you know, any kid's dream. And, and so I decided to pursue that path, and I went on the trial with this professional soccer team. And then, you know, I was I was, I, I can still recall it was one day in practice where we we're doing some agility. Drills, and it, for those of us who don't know what agility drills are, essentially you would set up cones or different obstacles on the field, and this is where you kind of work on your. You do some flashy moves that you sometimes see on social media, on on YouTube, but this is to work on our coordination, to work on agility, to work on our balance and, and speed, etc. So while I was doing this, the the fitness coach he pulled me aside and he was like, you know, Andy, when other people do it, they kind of just switch directions and they turn, you know, agilely, but when you do it, you have your arms stuck out to the side and you do like a 180 degree rotation before you switch directions. In other words, why are you so stiff, man? And, and essentially I had a bit of an epiphany because I realized what I was doing inside the gym does not did not translate to better performance outside the gym. And, and so you know, it piqued my curiosity uh, to look into this, this fitness training more so that I can help those who are on this journey to become a better athletes, so that they don't train the wrong way uh, that would actually make them stiff. And, and so that's when I got into personal training. I uh, did some courses with the National Academy of Sports Medicine. And then fast forward, I realized if I want to take my career to the next level, not only do I have to be a good presenter, uh, but I actually have to have Knowledge and, 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 you know, obviously in the fitness industry, a lot of times people just bluff around and and all you have to do essentially allow me to be honest and upfront here is, you know, most people are just good looking and they have, they have amazing looking body and somehow that makes them the expert. But uh, five years ago, I already knew that this is not sustainable. And if I do want to stand out from the crowd, I need to go back to school so that I can be academically qualified, so that I can learn to read different researches. And and that's what I did. So I went back to school, got my master's in exercise science, and and that's what I do now. So I'm a coach with a master's in exercise science. You know, being in the profession, that is my passion.
0: I love that. What are some common imbalances you see? With your your clients and so forth, or the or the big misconceptions that uh, people um, let's go back to let's just go with the the the, the common things that, things that people have or um, that need to create you know that, that prevents them from having a dynamic balance.
1: Sure. Well, first of all, dynamic balance is, is a great great term that you brought up. Um, and well, I would say the biggest misconception is I'll go back to my story of my, my soccer story. And I remember in, in high school when I came back from the States, so I went to high school in the States, middle school, high school, and then college in the States. And, and when I was back for the summer, it was junior or senior year. I was looking to join the gym so that I can put on some pounds and be a better athlete as lifting is quite a common thing to do, obviously in high school. And when I came back, I still remember I, I was at the gym, at a commercial gym and the sales lady, obviously sell, me some personal training, training sessions. And, and of course I took those sessions and I was with the coach and I was telling him my aspirations to become a better soccer player. And he was like, Well, you know, all you have to do is to do some uh, leg raises. And because that mimics the kicking motion, and you're going to work on your quads and you're going to work on your abs. And from this point onward, you're going to kick the ball further. And as a teenager, a teenager, I, I believed him. And, and then so we, we did a lot of isolated muscle training stuff. And, and I would say that's actually the biggest misconception that I see nowadays. Um, as an athlete, my emphasis is to get them to move better because if we if we can move better, you know, we're going to perform better. Yet I think a lot of people are stuck in this isolated muscle training mindset. Not that it is bad, but it's just not, not, not what the whole thing should be. It's not comprehensive enough. And so I would say the one mistake that prevents them from achieving dynamic balance in my understanding is that they focus too much on the isolated muscle, but not working enough coordination and how everything should move in sequence because the best athletes, if you look at LeBron James, if you look at Tiger Woods, when they move, they move with power and grace and
0: elegance. And that's what we're after. I couldn't agree with more. I think that's vitally important. I know in my journey, um, in, in weightlifting and being an athlete and so forth, it was all about like, you know, lifting the weights, how can I be stronger as a baseball player? What are the things I can do? And then, um, you know, I started to notice I had more tightness. I had more of the issues showing up and then, Eventually, I said, "Okay, this isn't going to work for long term. I need to change this up." And that's where I started looking at more full body motion movements and may- making sure I can move with flexibility and things like that. Um, which was a, ended up being a, a more of a game changer for me because all of a sudden I'm like, "Wait a minute! I can. I don't have that tightness anymore." And all of a sudden, it's like my body, my power is getting stronger. It doesn't make sense. I was stronger before. Um, but it was being able to chain, use different uh, aspects of, what, what, of my body and so forth to um, be more at ease and flow. Like you said, like, I love how you said the word grace because literally when you watch like Tiger Woods or some of these masters, you're just like, they do that like nothing. Like it's just nothing for yeah. them. Like Michael Jordan fade, doing a nasty fadeaway. You're like, but he, he didn't he didn't even struggle. Like you just look at him and you could see the replay and he's like, yeah, look, he just does it. Like there's nothing... You know, and it's that, that type of aspect to, to, to get there. No, just, I agree with you. I mean, yeah. yeah
1: sorry to cut you off. I was gonna say, because, well, since you brought baseball, up, actually 90% of my personal training clients here in Hong Kong are golfers. So, you know, and, and obviously a big misconception there is they just do random type of rotation, but you know, as a golfer, even baseball player, right. We know the, the, the idea of the weight transfer. And the idea of us better rotation and, and it would just make you a better athlete yet. People are just always stuck in that isolated muscle training because they're so, so consumed by the thought of using their core. So they end up just doing all these stuff that just doesn't help. So you're absolutely right. We just, just so much more to just isolated forced it out. Muscle training.
0: Now, can it, is it hard to achieve that level of grace? Is it, is it something that takes endless amount of hours and works and months and years to get there? Like, how's that journey process look like?
1: Yeah, well, I think in, in, so I've written a book called Diet Balance and in the first draft, uh, when I submitted to a publisher, I used a fa- phrase, the blind leading the blind uh, in the gym, because a lot of us who are you know, fitness enthusiasts, what we do inside a gym are usually what the people did or what the other people did inside the gym. So we just followed what other people did inside the gym. And, and most of us did not really have kind of a, a system. And so I would say that, um, wow, totally forgot the question. Sorry. I forgot
0: what was going on. What was the question again? It's basically looking at how can we get that grace and that ease? Is it something uh, that is, you know, is it extremely hard? Does it take months and years to get to? How's yes. that look?
1: Yes, yes. Now I remember where I'm going with this. So a lot of us have no, no direction whatsoever. And a lot of us don't even know what we're training for. So essentially, we're just out there doing bicycle curls because other people are doing bicycle curls. So I would say for my clients, we make it clear on the first session that, hey, look, all the best athletes out there, you know, golfers, Tiger Woods, you look at t- tennis players, Serena Williams, you know, they're, they're moving with elegance and grace. So why don't we keep that in mind when we're doing different movements, you should always look for the flow and you should always look for good coordination and sequencing. So start with understanding why we're doing
0: it and, and what we're trying to achieve here. Love that. Now, you may have answered this question already, but I, 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 I kind of went a little ahead and I'm, I'm coming back and wanted to ask you this. What does dynamic balance mean?
1: Yeah, dynamic balance. So in our co-author book, we, we looked at health and fitness from three perspectives, uh, essentially a lifestyle, right? So we looked at it your diet, we looked at the way you manage your emotions and the way you train, because traditionally in, in the fitness world, we usually looked at different aspects in isolation. While this idea is not bad because, you know, us being, or me being in the U S for 10 years, you know, we, we know that there are specialists in, in different areas. And while that specialist might be an expert in that subject matter, a lot of times we get so consumed in one area that we forget to look at the whole macro, you know, the whole body as an ecosystem. And so in Diary Balance, what we're encouraging people to do is, okay, why don't we, instead of just focusing on training, why don't we look at the way you're eating? Why don't we look at the way you're managing emotions? But here is where I want to make clear we're not giving out diet plans because, you know, we believe principles go a long way because, you know, I'm from Hong Kong, figure in the US, and, and our diet is influenced by our culture and our geographical location. So if we're going to just stick with different principles, uh, we know that people will achieve their balance, which is the point where they perform best. And that's where the optimum health and human
0: performance point is. I can agree with you on there. I mean, sometimes people, you know, so many diets out there and, you know, everyone's following what diet's better for this or that, or this, or what's the best to do. And, Um, sometimes I know from my background in nutrition for 21 years and then being a chiropractor and understanding even more of the depths of the body from a physiological and biochemistry standpoint, it's like, there's just, there's certain foundational principles that if you just follow them and just do, and there's other things we can do now to actually make our job easier. Um, you don't have to go to this, the extremes of doing some of these stuff that's out there. Um, not saying that they don't work. I don't even know if you're a fan of any of them, but it's just. It's one of those things where, uh, and that's the thing I'll ask you, uh, are, are you a fan of diets? Do you, or is it, uh, how does that, how do you approach these things?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I can tell you sometimes I'll, I'll, these days I'll do different workshops with listed companies and big corporations and, and obviously they require me to write a proposal uh, of, or at least an outline of the, the workshop. And, and usually I'll tell them that if you think about human body, like if we just, do the subtle yet simple stuff. It goes a long way. And some of these things does not have to be flashy. And, and, you know, believe it or not, corporations don't like that because they think, you know, I'm paying you money. You, you better say something dramatic, or you better say something extreme so that we can catch people's attention. But no, if we just kind of stick to the way we're supposed to eat, which is eat natural food that are available to you, not overly processed. If we just manage the way you breathe you know we've been breathing for thousands of years and in different ancient practices uh and yet you know, the way that we're going through a lifestyle with the stress and and all the distraction is just, you know, causing our, our breathing to be shallow and erratic. So, you know, through managing our breathing, we can manage our emotions and training. As I said, many of us are stuck in that bodybuilding type workout from the eighties and nineties. And, but that's not how we've been working out for thousands of years. And so why don't we take a step back and just look at all these different things to kind of figure out what's the natural thing to do? Because ultimately the natural thing is more often than not the best thing for our body because that's what we're created to do. Totally. So sorry for all that, all that to say, I'm not a fan of different
0: fat diets. <laughs> I <love it>. No <laughs> worries. I appreciate the backstory on that all though. And so then how, how do you bring Chinese medicine, traditional Chinese medicine into things? Like how, how do you utilize it? And, and, uh, and maybe really quick before you even get into that, just share with the listeners, what is traditional Chinese medicine?
1: Yep. Chinese medicine, it's an ancient type of medicine that focuses on, on health. And, and I would say the simple way to explain it is in the West in physiology, we, we learn of the concept of homeostasis. So this, the self-regulating process that the body goes through to survive, right? So if you look at homeostasis, if you look at you we have different terms to, or we have a language that is telling us uh, about how why they were able to maintain homeostasis. We've got pH, we've got blood sugar level, we've got temperature, all of that. But if you think about it, in Chinese medicine, 4,000 years ago, these people would not have access to all these fancy lab equipment. So essentially, they're just using a different set of language, like qi, blood, yin-yang, five elements. Yet, uh, if I think about my US experience, and if you think of kind of the US health and fitness industry, I'd say most people are misinformed about what these terms mean and as soon as that happens i think a bunch of people just kind of put it off because oh i don't understand it it must be weird but chinese medicine at first when it started it's meant to be a medical system and i understand that somehow you know in recent years became more spiritual and and it could become a bit weird at times but in the way that i see it and the way that we go about it in diet balance we're focusing on the medical aspect and that is okay how can we go at it from preventative medicine point of view? How do we go at it so that we can maintain homeostasis while using natural remedies so that we can go at life in a positive way?
0: It's all about the chi at the end of the day, isn't
1: it? It. it is chi, and, and and I'll tell you, even that, you know, the, the word chi it causes a lot of confusion because people are like, so what is chi? And, and in the other ones, what, what we try to do is we bring into the cultural aspect, because for me, you cannot understand a set of language without understanding the cultural aspect of that language. So qi, in, in every single term in Chinese medicine, there are two meanings to it. One, the functional meaning, and second, the philosophical meaning. So this can be applied to qi, blood, yin, yang, five elements, you name it. Qi functionally just means energy to the bo- of the body. Right, you need energy to sustain, and and it has functional properties. And two, the philosophical meaning. The reason why qi is philosophical because you cannot see it. It is talking about this force that sustains the universe, and there's qi in literally everything. Right, the body, even some rocks that you see, jewelry, and, and that's why it's it's also philosophical. And then I think usually it's the second point that people get put off because, what do you mean philosophical. But every single term in Chinese medicine has that uh, connotation to it.
0: And I I appreciate you bringing that up because there, there's sometimes people will hear it that way and they're like you know oh that that, that stuff's uh, that woo stuff again you're talking about, um and um so what are some other things that you see from the west versus the east where you see like misinterpretations because I know um I've studied some uh, Oriental medicine and I've got into um, traditional Chinese medicine you know early on in my late teens early twenties just started studying it just wanted to learn. What was that about? Because when I started hearing about Chi and the Meridian systems and all this other stuff, I was just like, this is really interesting. This is something i never heard before. And I'm like, 5,000 years? How the hell they know to do these kind of forth? You know what I mean? It's like, how did they map out the body back then? And it just, you know, fascinated me. Um What are some other things that uh, you see that create misinterpretations or actually, you know, or is not being done to a certain way? Because I love how you brought up the the cultural influence without, you know, not looking at something without the cultural influence and so forth.
1: Yeah. And and here's where I kind of like, I like to go at it from my master's background because obviously in in the fitness industry now, everyone's using the term evidence-based practice, right? It seems to be, the buzzword these days. Oh, I, I, I'm what I'm doing is based on science, and and so the first question that people usually ask is, "Show me the research." And while this idea is noble, I mean, I think it's it's great that we're looking at the research, but you know, the people that are emphasizing it quite often they don't understand research, and and so you know, I don't think the question is valid until everyone is they have a better understanding of statistics. So usually, one of the first arguments against Chinese medicine is it is not backed by science. But, you know, one, one, one um, thought that I would have to combat that is it is time-tested, right? And, and if you look at the things that they talked about thousands of years, years ago, you know, they're slowly being validated. So I would say that this idea that Chinese medicine is pseudoscience, I think we, we, people are just misinformed. So I would say first and foremost, um, that's that. And, and second, usually people will point to acupuncture as well because there's, there's a lot of talks about how acupuncture might be just after a placebo effect. But on that, I, I also think that this is an a unfair claim, because if you look into the studies that claims acupuncture is, is just all down to placebo effect. Well, if you think about it, so for those of us who don't know, acupuncture involves sticking needles uh, on different parts of the body, known as uh, your acupressure points on the meridians. And how do you placebo that? right? So usually in research, they might do a toothpick or they might just do something, but we now know that there are so many receptors in the skin, even us just brushing, you know, in, I, so I also do some education content on behalf of rock tape. And and we know that there are receptors on the skin that even you brushing the skin will, it's going to send messages to the brain to help you cool down or to help you calm down. So all that to say, whenever we're applying any type of force or any type of pressure to the skin, we're stimulating a response. So in this way, there isn't a true placebo effect. And so I would say that's, that, that's why you know, research in this area is still developing. And all that to say, for people who say that Chinese medicine is just pseudoscience, I think uh, they, they should look into the philosophy more and, and understand that sometimes you can't apply the framework of Western science to you know, another culture and, and another system.
0: No, I I totally agree with you there. I mean, being a chiropractor, I I know how that goes. You know, it's one of those things where the true essence of what we do as chiropractors, if I, most people don't even, don't even know. Um, A lot of times you hear the word chiropractor, you think of someone who helps with the back, the neck or headaches of some sort. Um, But, you know, in the end of it, we were really just brain doctors working on changing your brain to higher level, the higher level uh, functions and so forth to help that self-regulating, self-healing mechanisms in the body. Um, we do have also in our profession, uh, evidence-based chiropractors or evidence-based and we're, I look and I'm always like, that is the most, that makes no sense. Like, because you exactly. can't, you, because I, and I know Chinese medicine is, is very similar in this way is because, well, it might be a little different though, because like, for example, if I make an adjustment at someone's, let's say, uh, see, let's say the first bone in their neck, c one. And, um, that's not going to guarantee the know that that one adjustment helps with headaches. Yes, there's neurology that can show and I can prove it, but that can also help with someone's bowel movement. That can also help a kid with colic that can also help somebody with sleep issues um, or XYZ. So when you look at from an evidence-based standpoint, then that becomes invalid because you can't evidence-based means you do this to get this. It's very like, it's, it's, it's taking the medical system of training and you're taking all how they do things and you're trying to put it into holistic care or, or I don't even call it alternative care because that's when that sh- it shouldn't be termed that. Um, but you know, along those terms, you you can't. There are two different mechanisms.
1: Yeah, and 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 you know that's why I'm actually a, a big fan of of your work. I mean, I look, I listen to some of your podcast episodes, and and the fact that you have so much exposure to different philosophies in order to help your clients, you know, I think that only you would understand because. In the States, we're so consumed with this binary mindset. It's either this or this, right? I, I just followed this protocol. No, let's just stick to the protocol because that's how we should do things. And, and yet, you, know, you, you don't know the condition of the, bot, the person who's coming in. You know, they might be super stressed, they might have some trauma and, and all that to say, you, 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 sometimes you cannot just go by your regular playbook because everybody is unique in their own ways.
0: That's so true. I mean, the more as the, the better, the older, the further I got into my career, the more I started to see the 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 individualism when it comes to work. Yeah, there's themes and there's common, you know, there's commonalities, but there's really, you know, especially when you start to get into other things like looking at emotions and you know, because I used a lot of different uh, modalities to help people with um, building resilience to their body, being able to handle the stresses that they deal with on a daily basis, plus um, other things, and it's it's, it's fascinating how. You can just be like, wow, Wim Hof breathing, breath work. It's phenomenal. Everybody's doing it. Let's do it. Here, do it. I tell everyone. But in it, in because I keep hearing, I would have clients come up to me or patients come up to me and be like, hey, doc, have you heard of this Wim Hof breathing? Uh-huh. And I'm like, you know that email I sent you that I told you about that emotional stuff you're going through. And I said this will work for you because it's really designed to help. It's no, it can really work on that energetic level for you. And all that it's just like they like, uh maybe. And I'm like, it's okay. If you don't, I'm not going to yell at you. This is not like, I'm not that guy. Um, and then they'd be like, well, yeah, I think so. And I'm like, I'm like, I sent you his information so you can practice that. Oh my God. I did it one time and it was absolutely amazing. I'm like, yes, I know it's pretty cool stuff. Um, but then some other times I tell people like, there's you, Hey, you know, Wim Hof may not be before you. I just, I can tell it. Let's look at uh, a a soma breath or let's look at conscious breath or let's look at, you know, different things that work for different people. And I think, um, that's kind of where we're kind of moving. And when it comes to certain things, even though it's, I want to do this, or I want to do that, but I think there's going to come a time and I, I, maybe I'll see it in my lifetime where people will be tired of the fads. They'll just be like, I'm tired of what the cool thing is now. I want to just, uh, I just want to know what works and just do this instead. Um, who knows? We'll see if that happens. Well, I
1: mean, hopefully you're very optimistic, but I, I, on this, I, I'm quite pessimistic about it because, first of all, we we know that people's attention span has gone worse and worse and worse, shorter, 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 shorter. And as a result, you know, with with the Amazon stuff, we we want stuff now, and which means when it comes to healthcare, I want to be cured tomorrow. When it comes to fat loss, I want to, I just want to be skinny tomorrow. So. You know, I think a lot of the fitness pro- or health and fitness practices, they're, they're just selling hope essentially, right? You're going to oh, do yeah. this and just, just lose weight in a week magically, get a six pack with 12 beers every day. And, uh, and, and, and so, you know, I just don't think that this will go away just because people are just getting intolerant and impatient and to understand, you know, health and fitness. We, we, so this is an important point I usually tell my clients. So let's say they're coming in and they're obese and overweight and stressed. And with I don't know maybe some uh, hunchback posture, and I tell them, well, you are the way you are now because of your lifestyle from the past 10, 20 years, and the fact that you think you can reverse everything in the week, you know, just from doing some juice diet. I mean, no offense to juice diet, but just just from it doesn't have to be juice diet. Uh, It could
0: be anything. But
1: the fact that
0: that I'm I'm losing a lot of listeners here, but go ahead, keep going. You're bashing them all. Sorry. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Exactly. So the fact that you could just lose everything in a week. I, I think, you know, it's, it just doesn't work like that.
0: I agree. I mean, it's, that's not how I would always educate my patients about that wherever you are, it doesn't matter what you have going on. It, it didn't happen. It didn't just come, come on yesterday. This is years of stuff that had, a, had to lead you to where you are today. And it's not going to take a day or two to go away. It's going to take time, even though you may feel better pretty quick. Um, the, the pain, once that goes away, that's only 10% of the problem being solved. And then we have 90% of the work still to go. And so I think that's where, you know, I, I can see where your point is too. It's when I'm always, I'm, I'm optimistic in all areas. Like an asteroid could be coming and about to hit us and I'll say, all right. I see we'll what's this coming with we'll this try, we'll this try some, There's a chance it may something, you know, there's that, there's that small fraction. I'll just be like, I'm going to hold on to that, you know? Uh, but I, I totally get what you're saying though. And it's one of those things where we, we do want things now. We do want things in the moment. We, you know, all this convenience life that we're having. And I always say convenience comes with a fee. Uh, and when it comes, when you look at it in health, yeah, you can get shredded and you can get in the quickest shape of your life. That's great. Uh, but there comes a the feat to that because like I used to do programs when I was in my, I remember I had patients started asking me about weight loss and I was like, I was like, well, if I do a program and, and it's around weight loss, the whole purpose, the whole focus is not weight loss. And they're like, huh? And I was <laughs> like, I'm going to teach you hormone balance. And I go, I'm going to educate you on how to get your hormones in balance. And I go, can you lose weight in a certain period of time with that? Maybe. I've had some people that'll take six months, I have some people that take a year, I've had some people that lost it in one to two months. So I'm like, I'm like, but it's gonna depend on where you are. But I go, the purpose is not to for the weight loss, it's just to get you to balance your hormones. Now we balance those hormones, then all of a sudden, weight loss is inevitable, it's gonna come because the hormones are what are controlling everything. And I said, So we'll do that. But it was interesting. Some people are like, I've been doing this, I've been practicing what you're telling me for six months, and I'm not losing anything. And I'm like, you got to give it time. If you've been metabolic, and there's, we even research shows now that like some people, there's a certain, there's a point of no return with your metabolic health. I mean, it takes a long time to get to that point, but you can't, you can't get there where you, it's going to be, you can't, it's going to be hard to turn it back. You did, done too much damage. Uh, But there, you know, it's just one of those concepts of, you know, we'll see. Like I said, it may happen in our lifetime, but uh, I, I,
1: Yeah, certainly. I think people are a lot more open to different types of philosophies out there. People are at least more open-minded and they're willing to explore, which is always a a good sign. Because I think now with all the practices, you know, obviously I wrote a book on Chinese medicine and and fitness. But if you look at other ancient systems like yoga, like all the stuff around the world, we'll know that actually the ancient guys, even though they didn't have the fancy equipment that we do now, they, they did have some profound truths to what they do when it comes to breath work, when it comes to different natural remedies, when it comes to a lifestyle and, you know, they were never fat. And part of it is because they didn't have that much food back then, but also, you know, they weren't treated to as much sugar and as much processed foods we have
0: nowadays and, and the lack of sleep problem that we all have. And they spent their outside, they walked around. I mean, you look at other cultures, like I'm Italian. So you know, I look, I mean, now Italian culture is more Americanized, but before, you know, the typical Italian, you, you you see them and you're like, wow, they're thin, they're slender. I mean, look at people in Paris, thin, slender, Italians eat. I mean, it's still to this day, they do the three C's, which is carbs, coffee, and cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, they still smoke. Everyone's like, they still smoke. And I'm like, yeah, don't ask me. I have a lot of fan members that do. Um, but it's one of those things where, but when you look at them, they're, they got beautiful skin, their hair is shiny. I mean, they look out and you're like, what the heck? But again, it's a lifestyle, right? It's, it's, it's getting outside. They move, they're walking, you know, I don't know, six, five, six, seven, eight miles. They just, they like, they, they move all day long where in America or we're more sedentary. Um, we're not doing that as much. And that becomes, you know, an effect on our health massively overall.
1: Well, I, I haven't been to Italy, but I've heard the pizza in Italy is a lot better than your average pizza from, from America. Things As in things are more fresh, you've got fresh material, you don't have as much sauce on it, the crust is just a bit more fresh. You know, and, and it makes a difference in America. We run pizza. I mean, uh, no offense. Uh, okay, I might have lost more listeners, but man, you're killing pizza, me. I I'm yeah, have exactly. to rethink this. <laughs> exactly, but the pizza in America, it's 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 terrible for you. So I I think you're absolutely right. It it's a lifestyle thing, and and it all comes together. Oh, but I was gonna say that it's sometimes it, it is kind of funny in a way because in America, obviously, it's it's everything is the most advanced, right? When it comes to scientific studies, when it comes to thought leaders. Obviously, America has produced some life-changing stuff and and even with the pharmaceuticals, all the Western medicine has, has changed lives for sure. Yet if you think about the diet, the, the the idea that the American diet is kind of the gold standard always just baffles me because I, I I think all of us agree that there that there are better diets everywhere else in the world, you know, taste-wise and just diversity-wise and and yet a lot of times we, we kind of just stick to the American diet, right? Just a big chunk of meat and then just a little bit of um potatoes and then broccoli and, and all of that. While you know, the rest of the world they're actually cooking their food in a delicious yet healthy way. So I, I think that if, if all of us are are eating, I, I encourage you to look into different diets, kind of to 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 cook your
0: foods better so that you can consume good food, good taste with good nutrients. Totally. I'm with you on that. Cause I think I, I always say, treat it like a, like a portfolio, the more diverse, the better. Cause that way you're getting different, all these different elements and uh, your body will thank you more for it. Andy, how can people find you connect with you, get your book and all that good stuff?
1: Yep. So the balance is available in all major bookstores. So Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Hudson. It's even in target. Now I think I, when I last checked, so target.com, you can also find it there. And uh, you can connect with me through Instagram. My Instagram account is Chiu Andy. So T-S-Z-C-H-I-U Andy. Side topic, Chiu is my full Chinese name. So it's two characters and a lot of times people think that T is just my, my first name, but it's the two together. So Chichu Andy. And my website is Chichu.com. They want to look more into what I, what I do on a day-to-day basis.
0: Awesome, brother. Well, I appreciate you being on and appreciate you doing the work that you're doing. Uh, definitely needed. Uh, We got to get out of this old, archaic way of thinking. And uh, I'm, I've been seeing a little bit of a change in that and you're part and being part of that. And I greatly appreciate you. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time... Keep rocking and rolling.